Before we start today's show on wrestling, can we do some self-advertising? Okay, let's do it. First off, let's tell everyone about the self-defense course on listenable.com. Please, guys, go check it out and tell your friends to check it out. Jackie and I spend a few minutes reminding everybody how to stay safe and how to fight back if needed. Also, it's good for kids. Definitely good for kids. You can try Listenable free for seven days. It's an app, so just search it in your app store. And seven days is plenty of time to hear our course. Thanks for checking them out. Also, while we're self-promoting, check out our latest YouTube video. Yeah, we're getting ready to post our 100th episode. So we... Well, they should watch to see what we do. Good idea. Let's wet their whistle. Tease. All right, guys. Thank you in advance. And now, on with the show. This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to another episode. I'm Sensei Michelle. And I'm Sensei Jackie. And today... No, Landon. But today, the good news is our guests are Paul and Lisa. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hey, Sensei. Hi. Thanks for being here. Excellent, Sensei. Thank you very much for having us. They've been on before. Does anybody remember which episode? I think it was one of the elements. Absolutely. We love the element episodes. We're going to have to go back and re-listen to those. Think about doing them in a rerun. Okay, guys? Oh, good idea. I love it. But today we start a trilogy about wrestling. This all started when we read about this one wrestler named the Great Togo. And that all happened during the Mas Oyama episode. Oh, I remember that. So right off the bat, I'm throwing out a spoiler alert from that next episode on the Great Togo. Some of our sources say that Mas Oyama actually worked as the Great Togo's tag team partner in some wrestling matches under the name Mas Togo. Ah, it's interesting. Interesting. Great name. That would be wild, wouldn't it? But back to today's show. When I started looking into it, I realized that I really don't know anything about professional or amateur wrestling or how it evolved. I think you were a wrestler in high school. Isn't that right, Paul? Yes, Sensei. I I tried, as we say. It's an amazing sport. Having uh, played baseball and basketball all my life, wrestling gave you an opportunity to prove to yourself that you are the competitor within and be able to push yourself to um, limits that you never knew were there. You know what? I can totally understand that because it's like, not exactly like, but it's kind of like when you go to spar in a karate competition, it's just you and them and that's it, right? That's it. Us. Us. What type of competitor are you? (laughs) I don't want to open that can of worms. No, but that's a a good uh, topic. Yes, I agree. So to us non-wrestling mania mortals, We had to do some research, and what we found was a huge subject that we'll start to tackle today. Us. The plan is to do some history today, then tackle the great Togo. Get it? Tackle. Oh, I got it. And finish with sumo, correct? That's the plan. Wow, sounds busy. I'm telling you. And it turns out that there's more than one way to categorize wrestling. So let's start with looking at three historically different types of wrestling. Sounds like a round robin to me. Okay, Lisa, start me out. Sure. One style is called belt and jacket wrestling. An example is judo, where the opponent grabs the clothing. Uh, We're all familiar with that one. But there is another one in history called catch and hold wrestling. The competitors start in a special hold, and sometimes they maintain the grip throughout the match. Imagine that. That's got to be tough. 
I never heard of that one, and it does sound really weird, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I, I don't understand that kind. No. But let's move on. Well, finally, there's a loose style used in all modern international competitions. Wrestlers start separated. As the match continues, they attempt to catch and throw each other within a rule structure, like no grabbing the privates and no strangleholds. Okay, because it's based like on the modern stuff, I can picture that one, can't you guys? Yes. But wait, there's more, Paul? Oh, sensei. There's another way to classify wrestling, and it's by what is required to win. I know you guys were reading about it on the Britannica website, and some of it is implied to my wrestling days, kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's five categories. Not too violent, just break the stance, forcing an opponent to lose posture or position. I think we call the sumo. Okay, I can picture that one, right? Uh, Yes. What's next? Toppling. Toppling means making the opponent touch the ground. A combination of wrestling and boxing. Hmm. Touch fall means an opponent is held in a down position, per the rules of course, for a brief period of time. You basically force into a position and you're holding them down. The pin and fall, you have to pin and hold them for a measurable period of time. And Sensei, I do know what it's like to be pinned, unfortunately. And it's not fun. (laughs) And I know what it's like to fall, so we make a good team. (laughs) (laughs) And there's one more, right? Yes, there is one last one, Sensei. Submission is where the contestant vocally or visually signals defeat. Or the words, mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like the modern MMA, I'm guessing, where they do or do not actually do the signal, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, wow on all that. We need to go into ancient times, but I quickly want to say, if you have any wrestling stories to share or you want to weigh in, haha, thank you, because, you know, weight divisions, okay, never mind. Got it. You can yeah. reach us all <laughs> over the web at Wildcat Dojo. If you add a .com to it, you get our webpage, and on Instagram, we're at Wildcat Dojo Conversations. If you're old school like me, you can email us at dojoconversations at AOL. Dot com. Oh, get it? Old school like me and now on to ancient times. Oh, perfect. Wait, I'm going to drum roll. I think I'll start this one. Be prepared because it's just a little bit creepy. Ancient art suggests wrestling to the death was not an uncommon practice at the time. But on a less creepy note, and like other things we've researched, there were different forms of wrestling growing in different parts of the world simultaneously. Let's just rush right over that to the death thing. And look at some of the different things that were happening around the world. Great. I'll start. One example is that belt wrestling was going on in Switzerland, Iceland, Japan, and Russia, all at similar times. And historians believe that all wrestling evolved from the Egyptians. That dates back to 2500 BCE. Mostly documented on the walls, an entire sequence of wrestling on the walls. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. That was a long time ago. And I'm going to add one not as interesting as the entire sequence on the wall that, of course, they wrestled in ancient Greece and they had their first Olympics in 776 BCE. I didn't know that, but let's touch on the Romans. They were less into wrestling, so things died down until about 800 BCE when it turns up again in Persia. Okay, here's another fun one. At one point in the 1200s, it became the national sport of Persia. Which, just for the record, guys, is now known as Iran, correct? Correct. 
And historians also found that there's a manual, a secret manual that was written in the 1500s describing wrestling that survives to this day. Actually, it prepared the youth to get ready for the military. Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. No? Yeah. Well, I know you're going to do a whole episode on sumo, but I'll add here that it started up around 710 CE. And by the 1600s, sumo wrestling had become professional. You know, that's really interesting because by the 1800s, judo was being regularly practiced in Japan also. You're right. That is interesting. But let's push on to the 1900s. Okay, but before we leave the 1800s, did you guys know that Abe Lincoln was a noted wrestler? No, I had no idea. I didn't know it, and I'm having trouble picturing it. Okay, push us on, please. Uh, Back in the 1900s, at that time, wrestling pops up in fairs, theaters, and circuses. And it was a take-all-comers attitude in both Europe and the U.S. That's wild. Take-all-comers, if you want. Could you imagine someone standing in the middle of the ring and pointing to someone outside the ring saying, come on in, let's go? I can imagine somebody not being able to back down from that challenge, can't you? (laughs) Absolutely. And I can imagine those fights were bloody. I read it wasn't unusual for the bout to go on and on until someone just said, mercy, and they (laughs) submitted. That was an awesome use of a double negative in that sentence. (laughs) Thanks, Sensei. And the bouts were no holes barred. The true mano y mano. (laughs) You know what it got me to thinking? I wondered if wrestling was the birthplace of that saying, no holds barred. I wondered too. So I looked, and according to Grammarist.com, that is exactly how that got started. Huh, that's neat. Let me move us back kind of on a historical line to different types of wrestling. You got it. In the 1800s, two types of wrestling began to emerge as the standards, and they were Greco-Roman and catch-as-catch-can. This one would be later known as freestyle. I want to mention that I read about the Greco-Roman, and it said that holds were only allowed above the waist, and there were no leg holds when the players were on the ground. True, and this is weird because Greco-Roman was the first to be used in the Olympics, but they moved over to a freestyle allowing pins and leg holds. It's hard for me to imagine wrestling without the leg holds, isn't it? Definitely. That's weird. Absolutely. Speaking of the Olympics, though, a quick Google search showed me that they had wrestling in the games in 1904 in St. Louis, but they didn't have them again until the 1920 games. You know, that's right. But the 1920 games were held in Antwerp, Belgium. And it turns out that the 1920 games are considered the birth of modern Olympics. Did you guys look up and see where any of the other Olympics were held? No, but I did see that the games in Belgium went from April to September. Wow, that's a long long time. time. (laughs) Long time. And you'd think they wouldn't have had as many sports as we have now, too. I'm sure they didn't. You know, I wonder if they combined the end of winter and the beginning of summer. Oh. That's a great point. That's a good point, Jackie. So before we move on to professional wrestling, let's tell people that they can probably get matched to practice their wrestling holds at Honor Athletics, of course. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you for your support. Please reach them at honorathletics.com or 770-945-5150. And don't forget to mention Wildcat Dojo as you check out for your 10% discount. And thanks for your support, guys. Okay, Paul, 
Will you get us back on track with the beginning of professional wrestling, please? Absolutely. We saw an article at ProWrestlingStories.com. It was an interview with a famous wrestler called Rowdy Roddy Piper, most famous for his kilts. Yes. And he talked about the beginning of wrestling in America. In his interview, he said that pro wrestling started after the Civil War. Like you said earlier, they did exhibits and circuses, took all comers. It was a lot of gambling. You can imagine wrestling, gambling. What a great duel. <laughs> he added some graphic details about blood, guts, and even how the circuses would light up the towns the night before by going into the bars and challenging those big, tough guys to come wrestle. It all sounds kind of plausible and kind of rowdy. Oh, oh that was a bad one, I know. Bad no kill required. <laughs> Fine. But when you move into the 1900s, wrestling took a minor fall from popularity as boxing started its run of popularity. That's true. But wrestling came back with a vengeance. Oh, I get it. Anyway, when it came back, it took on the idea that the contestants were divided into heroes and villains, which were picked by the promoters, and it was all about making money. That's right. Things became more theatrical. There was even an extremely theatrical type called Lucha Libre in Mexico. And a quick search told me that Lucha Libre literally translates to free fight or freestyle wrestling. When we were talking before the show, you guys told me that you saw the movie Nacho Libre, the Jack Black film. I'm a huge Jack Black fan. So should I see it? Absolutely. Go for it, Sensei. Go for it. It's funny. Okay. I love him, and he is funny, and also yeah, goofy funny. stupid, right? Goofy, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we'll go for it, and then I'll, I'll let you viewers know, and hey, if you saw it, let us know what you thought of it. Okay, we have two pieces of trivia about Lucha Libre, don't we? Us. There's a plaque in Mexico City declaring Lucha Libre as an intangible cultural heritage of the country. And it's said that Lucha Libre was the first appearance of colorful masks on the wrestlers. And there were some bouts where if you lost, you had to take off your mask forever. Ah. Interesting. Wow. I really wow. do need to see that movie and see if he, you know, goes into that whole mask thing. Yes. Okay, Paul, we're running out of time. Get us back to the early 20th century and the fact that the popularity of wrestling was divided into two categories, amateur and pro. Sure. At the time, the characteristics of an amateur wrestler were that they were serious. They had weight classes, time limits, point systems for things like reversing control and pinning. This is how it was in my memory. Unfortunately, the points were against me, and the time was never long enough for me. <laughs> okay, first off, Paul, I know you made it to the All-City Finals in, I believe, New York City. Am I correct about that? I uh, came in fourth in the cities. So that's pretty good. Yeah, Paul. pretty good. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna break my cussing rule and say that's damn good. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm right on your tail. But tell me about the pros. I was, at the time. Uh, but I wasn't ready for the WWF though. Since <laughs> <laughs> tell me about the pros. The pros at the time became more theatrical and less credible. You know, I read that even the modern WWE openly calls their wrestlers performers, not wrestlers. The takeaway is this. The action is scripted, but the physicality is real. Sensei, do you remember when we talked about it once and you compared it to the way we build bunkai or choreograph self-defense kits? I totally remember that. It's like when you're doing it, you know where you're supposed to be 
and you know what's supposed to happen, but it still takes the knowledge and you definitely get bruised up and let's push it back to the 20th century, shall we? Yes, let's do that. No details, please. We read that that was the time that the heroes and villains gained popularity, the early 20th century. And for this part, we used our fun site, The Bleacher Report. And we should add that in the first paragraph, they say that the use of heroes and villains is fading these days. Here's the quote. The WWE appears to be circling back to a time before attitude was king. Now that's interesting. I like the idea that it would be based more on skill, don't you guys? Absolutely. You're yeah. Fantastic athlete. Oh my God. Fantastic. Meanwhile, in the next episode, when we get to the great Togo, mm-hmm. he was a villain. And in doing the research, it all seemed a little bit non-informed to me, kind of antiquated. So for now, let's just leave it at this. The anti-hero or the bad guy was called the heel, Rudo in Lucha Libre. And the good guy was called the face, which is also a character, by the way, in the show, The A-Team. <laughs> Speaking of unruly folks. Yes, yes. And while we're off the subject, can I say I'd like to take a look at a few female wrestlers in history? That's a good point, but no time for that right this minute. We'll get back to it, okay? Okay. First, we need to close this one out. So it's been so jam-packed with info. Well, then today we're going to end on some quotes. Well, when I looked, I thought I'd go with funny. And again, the Bleacher Report had an article, but I could not use any of the quotes on this, a PG-rated podcast. (laughs) Sorry, guys. They were funny, though. So if you're up for it, check out the article. So I moved us on to a site called kidaddle.com, K-I-D-A-D-L. And they had quotes from The Rock, John Cena, The Undertaker, Kane, Rey Mysterio, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H and more. Mm. Yes. That's a lot of wrestlers, right? Yes. Are you going to start this one out for me, Lisa? Yes. I'll start with the one from The Rock. There's no elevator to success. We have to take the stairs. Oh, I like that one. Me too. And can I start us out on wrestling catchphrases? Okay. Well, everyone knows that Dwayne Johnson, when he was The Rock, said, Can you smell what the rock is cooking? (laughs) I love that one. I know he's a serious actor now and all, but that was fun, wasn't it? It was. Uh, Absolutely. Who's up? Well, so I've got a couple, if I may here. Absolutely. Eddie Guerrero actually said, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. (laughs) Thank you, Eddie. Oh, my God. That's fun. Absolutely. And one of my favorite of all wrestlers is Hulk Hogan. What you going to do when Hulkamania runs wild on you? <laughs> my favorite. You said that so my well, My favorite. Paul. The best. The, the ultimate. The Hulkster knows no fear. Oh, got to love the Hulk. He's still in the news today. Yes, he is. Yeah, we actually, Lisa and I actually met him. Oh, man, that's so cool. What, what was he like? He pinned me. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding, Sensei. Only kidding. He was larger than life. Was he very um, personable, a friendly guy? We met him getting off for a ride in Universal uh, Studios. Wow, that's awesome. Isn't that crazy? Oh, yes, yeah. He was big. He's a big man. I can believe that. I'm going to jump and back. I called to him Ray- out, Sensei. I, I called him out. I pointed to him, and I waved him in. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I I don't know how to respond to that. So I'm going to go back to Eddie Guerrero's saying and tell boys and girls at home, please do not try cheating. (laughs) Am I right? You are so right. Thank you. 
And I'm going to finish this craziness with a quote from Chris Jericho. Well, you decide what you think of this one. He said, if Shakespeare was alive today, he would be writing wrestling shows. (laughs) Nice. You think that's true? Yeah, they got some really great plots. I'm telling they you. They do. And and he did name one of his plays The Tempest. Ooh. Oh. A lot of his characters would be good wrestling names now that I think about yes, it. Yes, they would. <laughs> Let's let Hamlet go against Othello. I was just thinking maybe we should make a wrestling script out of a Shakespeare play. Oh, why not? Wow. Right? Yeah. All right. On that note, it's time for me to thank you, both Paul and Lisa. This was as much fun as I knew it was going to be. It was great. Thank you, Sensei. It was great, Sensei. Thank you for having us. Start out our goodbyes for me, please, Sensei. Guys, bye, everybody. Thank you so much for coming. See you next week. I'm not sure when we're doing the great Togo, but we'll see you soon. And on that note, I'm signing out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.